the real danger and the reason that these mistakes are so insidious is because they appear logical. They appear to make sense. Yes. They appear to be smart moves. And yet, the long-term consequences are often unintended and things that we were completely unaware of in the moment that we made the choices. Yeah. I always picture like people throwing their hands up in the air at the end of the whole process and being like, what happens? <laughs> what went wrong? What went wrong? What did I do? Like, what? I just fixed up my house. I just, you know, I just went to safety. I just, again, very easy. And they seem logical in that moment. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, Diane, we are on episode 26, which is preventing the big mistakes. Yes. How's it going over there? Great. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. And I wanted to mention that this post was picked up by... Optimal Finance Daily, Mm -hmm. which we've had like four different posts picked up by them where they read our blog posts. Which is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And they got a big audience. They've been around for like eight years. Yeah. They like the blog and now they continually like kind of pick up a post here and there. Yeah. So they've read this post. So we're going to go through it on the podcast. But if you want to hear it, you can go to Optimal Finance Daily. I wanted to mention at the beginning of the episode that any of you want to leave us a review and just give us some ideas of what you want us to talk about. Topics. Please. Yeah. Topics. Yeah. Suggested topics. Yeah. Throw them out to us. I mean, even if we can't get them directly, maybe we'll have something related to it that we... Or they might spark imaginative, creative. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, throw out some ideas. We don't have a shortage, but it's always <laughs> nice to get new ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're not going to run out of things to talk about, you know. So when we started talking about preventing the big mistakes, yeah, this is the recurring theme. And we talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. Most of what we focus on is what you should be doing. Yeah. When nobody really talks about what you should not be doing. Right. The pitfalls. The pitfalls, Mm -hmm. the the mistakes, and how things are so simple to do. And then they're all easily, you know, just as simple not to do. Sometimes even simpler not to do. Yeah. Because you don't have to do it. Get stuck in a pattern of complacency or habitual, whatever. Yeah, we all have patterns. (laughs) Well, it's absolutely 100% easier not to do something than to do something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, you just, you don't have to do anything to do nothing. Right. Sure. It sounds sounds ridiculous, but it's kind of true. So when I relate all this back to finance real simply, and I I feel like a broken record saying this stuff, and I say it to clients and I say it to everyone. It's so simple. All right. So from a financially responsible perspective, Mm -hmm. contribute to your retirement account, Mm -hmm. set it up so that it's automatic. You make one decision up front that takes you 10 minutes. You never have to do it again. Second, leave the equity in your primary residence. You buy a house, whatever you're, you're paying down the mortgage. Now leave the equity in there. Leave it alone. Don't Don't touch it. Yep. 
because as you say, your house is, is not, not an, ATM, an machine. ATM machine, people. I mean, oh, and before, and once you do that 401k contribution, stay invested. Mm-hmm. Never go more conservative because you think the market's going down or because you have some epiphany or some feeling or some gut reaction that, oh, you know what? Bad things are going to happen from this or point on. You heard on. from the news or a coworker or a family member. Yeah. I'm going to move to the sidelines until things get better. Right. Because you know when things are getting better, right? Yeah. All right. Big mistake. And then I, I wrote the, I mean, these are like four bullet points. And the last thing is <laughs> literally don't do anything don't stupid. Don't do anything stupid. Just don't do anything <laughs> stupid. So we, we do this kind of like mock, and these aren't real clients. Well, they are clients, but I've changed the names to protect them. They're fictional characters They're to fi- protect them. They are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I use these, you know, these fictional characters. Yep. And so Bob and Jolene. They're in their 50s. They accumulated half a million bucks in their 401k and IRA accounts. Mm-hmm. They have a primary residence for more than a decade. It's got 150 grand in equity. Mm-hmm. You know, if they stay the course of what they're doing right now, you know, by their early 60s, mid 60s, they'll be easily retired and comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah. These are the mistakes. This is like a real life scenario that happens countless times. So being spooked by their friends and news reports that a recession is imminent. Yeah. Bob and Jolene moved their $500,000 investments to cash or more conservative portfolio. Half a million dollars. In order to protect themselves until the market improves. Mm -hmm. There we go. Mistake number one. And since they feel like their home is their forever home, they decide, let's start pulling money out. Let's refinance. Let's start taking some equity. Let's do some home improvements we've been putting off and waiting to do forever. I wanted the screened-in porch. You know, we need the luxury luxury appliances. You know, Whirlpool's (laughs) not good enough. (laughs) And so, oh, the new kitchen cabinets, of course. Yes. I mean, the rainfall you know, shower. Still, yeah, it's like, okay, well. Yeah. It's like take 50 grand out of, from home equity. Yeah. These are the mistakes that basically so many people make. I mean, it's, and, but they don't seem like mistakes. Not in the moment. And the, the impact, the negative and potential impact doesn't show up until down the road. And so that's why it's a lot, it's hard to wrap our minds around the potential downside of such behavior. In the it moment. seems, yeah, like it seems very vague, yeah. like just sort of inconsequential mm-hmm. when you're doing it. Why wouldn't you do that? Like, why wouldn't you move to safety or protecting your money? Why wouldn't you pull money out to your forever home? You want the things that you want. Right. So it just seems like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. But the long term consequences are so significant. Mm-hmm. It's just you don't project out that far. Right. The only way you're seeing it is right in the moment. Mm-hmm. So once again, these simple strategies that are easy to do and then easy not to do. Yeah. So that's Bob and Jolene. And you, we wrote about in the post that what's the reality of the long-term impact for those mistakes that they chose to make? Well, then they're going to enter their 60s and end up with less money in retirement available to them and higher mortgage debt that they're carrying. Right. It's like both of those carry a very negative impact financially. They were, they're going in the opposite direction of where they, of where they were headed. Yeah. yeah. Of the pathway that they were on, that they chose to veer off of in an emotional reaction to some external events, which is certainly happening in our world these days. Yeah. When everybody talks about this emergency fund or rainy day funds, uh-huh. it's a raining people <laughs> for a lot of people, at least. Yep. So I, I just love that concept of understanding that make one simple decision up front. And there's so many mechanisms that you have available to you to, to automate 
to automate and never have to think about it again. Right. So never, ever give it any more attention. Like you've already done the work. You've made the decision. Now let right. it go. Like let it go. Stop picking it back up. Yeah. Put that on the shelf and don't look at it anymore. That's gone. That's you've done that. That's done. Mm-hmm. There's no need to ever think about that anymore. Right. Think about it 30 years from now. And I think about before we could automate things, people would literally have to write a check every month. Oh, yeah. Remember checks? Paper checks? Extra principal payments, right? How do you pay an extra principal payment? You have to write a check to the mortgage company. I write like one paper check a year. The Department of North Carolina Department of Revenue makes me pay my privilege license with a freaking paper check. They will not let me pay it online. I'm like, you're freaking antiquated people. (laughs) I've had the same checks for like eight years. I go into my bank. I'm like, can you print me some? Because I don't want to order. Yeah, I got like, I'm like three addresses ago on my checks. You know, like I haven't updated them. What's the difference? Same account number. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the automation is like a very simple technology that's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. You can automate everything. Everything can be automated, especially from a financial standpoint. Yeah. So we, and we were talking about the compound effect by, is it Darren Hardy? Yeah. You think it's a little, yeah, I thought he was a little arrogant too. He's highly arrogant. He's an ass. <laughs> yeah. I am not a fan of his personality. Yeah. And but, you got that just from reading his book. I got to listen to him. No, actually. I've listened to him. I've watched some of his son videos and oh, stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, oh. dude, you are so, <laughs> So the compound effect, just the, the idea of compounding returns, Positive or negative, they can go in both directions, right? Right. When you think of the greatest returns are always delayed, right? So long term, yeah, right. long term. So anything mm-hmm. that you're doing in the moment that's good for you, mm-hmm. maybe you'll get a very minimal amount of positive effect from it in the short term. In the short right. term, but over time is where you actually see the benefit. The benefit. So, for instance, eating salads or eating just healthy. Mm-hmm. Working out, consistent mm-hmm. practice towards a new goal, such as you know learning a language or becoming a writer or practicing an instrument or anything you want to learn, being a carpenter, I don't know. Or run, running a 10K. or Running a 10K. America. Yeah. The longer term, long range goals that you don't, you're not going to get there in a week. Like you're not going to go from couch to 10K in, in five days. Just, it's not possible. And the guy I really highly recommend and his book is it's called Atomic Habits. His name is James Clear. Mm. And he talks about this kind of concepts. And he he said and he was just interviewed on the Sam Harris podcast, which I'm always recommended. He basically says, think about it. You like you eat a salad for three days in a row. That's what most people do, right? Right. I'm gonna go on a diet, I'm gonna eat really well. They eat mm-hmm. salads and they deprive themselves for three days in a row. They look in the mirror after three days and they're like, I fucking look the same. Yep. Like, what's going on here? I just ate. I just deprived. I'm struggling. Nothing's working. Screw this. Three days in. Three days. Same thing with working out. So they go to the gym for three days or two weeks, and this is the January first effect. Right? Yep. Yep. So the gyms are packed for the first month, and then after January, it's a ghost town. It dies down. Yeah. It's because you're not going to see a result in that short term period immediately, yeah. and yet our society is so addicted to instant gratification. You know, we're told that that's possible with everything, and you know, it's it's just, life doesn't work that way. And certainly with writing, yeah, it's not that way. I mean, I don't sit down and sometimes I sit down and can just write and write. That's not usually how it works, though. I think like when it comes to habits, which James Clear talks about a lot, he talks about making it convenient for yourself. You got to make something like very convenient. So for instance, like just the idea of if you're deciding to do a 10K, 
mm-hmm. you do before you go to bed is you lay your shorts out, you lay your socks, yeah. your sneakers are right by the your foot of your bed so that when you get out of bed, you put them right on. Yep. You make everything so easy. Mindless. Yes. Mindless. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to intellectualize it. You want to automate. It's kind of like a almost a spin on automation. Like you're basically making it so easy that you don't have to think about it. Right. It's like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. You do it for so long that you just do whatever. It's not something you think about doing. You just do it. Right. Or showering. Whatever people do that's like a consistent thing that they've done it's since childhood. It's a habit and so ingrained yeah. that it doesn't take any effort. So you want to like bring the effort down right? so that it's just this almost unconscious thing. Mm-hmm. Because for instance, like if you want to be in good shape, if you want to eat well, if you want to do all these things, you have to do them consistently over a long period of time. Right. And you only have a certain amount of willpower. On any get- given day. On any given day. Yeah. And motivation yep. goes up and down. And that was the main thing I got out of Atomic Habits, which I thought was really cool. Like he was kind of talking about all of the major benefits in your life take time mm-hmm. and take long, consistent, prolonged effort over time. Mm-hmm. The easier that you can make them to do right. and repetitive, you know, the faster you're going to get there. And it's the only way it's going to happen because mm-hmm. it can't happen any other way. Because if you're just relying on, Having yourself remember to do it, yeah. having it inconvenient for yourself to do, relying on willpower and motivation, mm-hmm. eventually it's something's going to come up in your life. Something's gonna, some hiccup is going to come up and, or you're going to have an off day or you're not going to sleep well at night. Like you and I both have experience with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. When we're tired, we make shitty decisions. Yeah. And I don't think this is a perfect system either. So I think... You know, the seasons of life too. Stuff does come up that will, maybe you will stop working. Maybe you'll eat like crap for a little while. I think eventually you come back to like your normal. When I experience stress, my appetite disappears. I just physically am not hungry. So through divorcing and then through what happened a year ago, like I would negotiate with myself. Like, fine, I'll eat crap. Like it's better than eating nothing. Yeah. Was my logic. And there were times where I had to negotiate. I had to allow myself to negotiate with myself and just yeah. um, eating crap is better than eating nothing. Like, cause I literally would go days without eating and that was not okay either. Right. So not a perfect system. I mean, it's not going to no, like, it, but like yeah. I'll eat something just to eat something. I mean, until my appetite returns, sure. like, which it does eventually. But I always thought of like the thought process on that. Maybe eating is the same as sleeping. Cause I heard one on sleeping where, Mm. The reason why people have so much trouble sleeping is they stress about not sleeping, you know? So as they're awake, um, they're like, ah, oh, I can't fall asleep. And now I only got six hours left to like before I have to get up. Yes. And, and then it's just this thing in their head. Yeah. I forgot who said it, but they said, if you can twist that frame of mind, that thought process to my body will sleep whenever it needs to sleep. And I'll get as much sleep as I, it, it, my body knows when to sleep and how, how much? much it needs. And if I don't yeah. get enough today or tomorrow, or the next day, It'll eventually get enough. Mm. I'm just kind of flipping it that like your body intuitively knows that what it needs when you really need to sleep, you'll sleep. So if you're not sleeping now, all right, you'll be tired and you'll be cranky and (laughs) that might happen. I did a lot of writing in the middle of the night. Yeah. I wrote a significant part of my first memoir in early September of 2017. I was like, I don't know what the hell is happening, but yeah, I was awake for like the first half of that month. Yeah. I wrote a lot of that book during that time. Those are interesting hours, right? What, that 2, 3 a.m. kind of area? I actually, there's a lot that I like. 
so weird. I know this is so strange, but like, there's a lot I actually like about that time of day mm-hmm. because no one is texting me. No one is emailing me. No one is asking for my attention. And it's so peaceful. Like there is a level of peace that I feel in the, during those hours, which I know mm. is strange, but it's like, no one's, no one's buying for my attention and I can just be, and I can read or write or whatever I want to do. Right. Yeah. Which is very different from how it is so many other days of the week. Yep. Not that I know what day today is. I think it's Tuesday. <laughs> I'd ask somebody. <laughs> Just to go down this rabbit hole, though, about the sleeping thing, mm-hmm. I wasn't the first to think about this. Again, I think it came from Sam Harris, who I quote a lot. But he mentioned like the people that like when you think that you're scared of death. So mm-hmm. everybody's like, it's almost like, you know, that ultimate fear that everybody has. Universal fear that yeah. you're afraid of death. And he mm-hmm. talks about, you do realize that every night when you go to sleep, it's like you lose everything. It's like you're basically, you're not there anymore. You go to sleep, yeah, you're dreaming, but what's the difference between sleeping and being dead? And I thought about it. I'm like, you're basically unconscious. True. Like your subconscious is working in the background. Yes. For all intents and purposes, you're not there. You're dead. You're not consciously aware. And so he's like, why would you be afraid of death if you're not afraid of falling asleep? Hmm. I'm like, that's an interesting thought. I mean, I don't know. That is an interesting perspective. Hmm. Something to think about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> preventing the big mistakes. I don't know how it relates to that. <laughs> we get on that <laughs> well, one of the other things that we talked about too, that the, the real danger and the reason that these mistakes are so insidious is because they appear logical. They appear to make sense. Yes. They appear to be smart moves. And yet yeah. the long-term consequences are often unintended and things that we were completely unaware of in the moment that we made the choices. Yeah. I always picture like people throwing their hands up in the air at the end of the whole process and be like, what happens? <laughs> what went wrong? What went wrong? What did I do? Like, what? I just fixed up my house. I just, you know, I just went to safety. I just, again, very easy. And it, they seem logical in that moment. They seem like... They seem to the- be the right thing. It's a smart thing, quote unquote, smart. Who says what's smart and what's not. Well, I think unless you're conscious of these things, unless you have, you have to have some courage too when it comes to this. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to have a set of balls on you to basically stay the course in a tough market mm-hmm. to basically tell yourself that, listen, I'm going to put 15% of my salary aside and I'm going to consistently do that. Even when things get hard. Maybe especially when things get challenging. Especially. Yeah. Like you just learn to live off. And then the funny thing is like, it doesn't take long for you to just adapt to that way of life. New normal. Yeah. As soon as you do it, a couple months later, you're like, you don't even think about that money that's going away for you. Right. It's your money that's going away for you. Mm -hmm. You're not giving it away to someone else. You're not ripping it apart or setting it on fire. You know, you're, (laughs) it's going for you. It's for you. For your benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just get to use that new normal. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, if you don't have any type of self-awareness, you're going to be making these mistakes, not even knowing that you're making them. Yeah, unconsciously. It's almost like being out ahead of them. You have to like see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Like from somebody from my viewpoints, being a you know financial advisor over 20 years, like I've seen like how things play out. The patterns. The patterns of so of and my clients are in 30 different states. Mm. So I'm getting a cross section of like America, you know, where I'm getting 
and middle class to you know somewhat wealthy and everything in between, all different professions, mm-hmm. all different races, age groups. I, I mean, I have clients from 20 to like in their 80s. Mm-hmm. And I just see, and it's not all of them, but there's a distinct pattern for most. Yeah. There's the handful that have done things right. Never, but you know, had that courage. Stayed the course. Yeah. And they did great. Mm -hmm. And I mean, did so much exponentially better than everybody else. Yeah. Exponentially, not just like a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. It's funny how that happens. It's, and again, it goes back to that compound effects because not only like you, you're stopping the compounding when you make these mistakes. Yeah. You're just throwing a wrench in the whole train. Like you're, you're just pulling the brakes on that train. Mm hmm. And then to restart that train, it's like... To get the momentum back takes so much more energy and effort. Yeah. Yeah. Once you stop the momentum, getting restarted is way more challenging than it is to stop. In every... And I mean... and I In see any this area of life. Like any we talked about like eating mm-hmm. like fast food every meal and like just healthy habits. Like it's just... Apply it to whatever relationship right. just apply it wherever I'm like, yeah, anybody that was that's been into working out that stops for a few weeks getting back weird. into yeah yeah the getting back into it is like the toughest part oh my god yeah momentum stops now you gotta like really i don't know it's like damn it i used to be able to run like two three miles without stopping yeah I that today yeah good luck with that <laughs> Well, I think of it like a plane taking off, right? Like all of the energy yeah, of that plane yeah, yeah. has to like happen in the beginning until yeah. it's sailing, right? Once it's cruising, yes, it's not using as much fuel. It's that initial takeoff that requires that getting started. Yes. And I, I was in the routine of playing my drums at least five days a week and just practicing on a practice pad. Mm-hmm. I'd say over the last three months, I've picked up my sticks five times. Mm-hmm. I just haven't done it. We've been living in some very odd times. Yeah, and I have no excuse because like I'm home all the time. So I have Oh, you'd think my house would be spotless. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've been I've been doing more yard work in the last month than I've done in the last two years. Like, <laughs> I, I did a little yard work last summer. Um little being the operative word. And so now I'm like, oh damn, like it's just like all the weeds and the crap is taken over. And I'm like, oh. Again, you can relate this to anything. Gardening. It could be. You let things go too long. It's just hard to like get it back to like that normal. I mean, not to plug a million books here, but man, four hour work week for me from Tim Ferriss flipped that whole thing on, you know, it's had See, and I didn't love that one. Yeah. I don't I don't even think I finished it. I don't know why. I don't know what it was I didn't like about it, but maybe it was just the timing, like a lot of like books hit me like a certain way, different times in my life. Like if I would have read it maybe at a different time. Yeah. It might not have hit me. I was kind of thinking in the realm of how to get out of corporate America. And that's kind of what that Uh, book gears you to do. How to automate things, how to delegate, how to have systems in place. Delegation. Where, you know, you're not driving yourself crazy and working 12 hours a day. Like you get the same amount done in three hours that you can get in 12. Most people do in 12. Yeah. It just flipped that on its head for me. And I just think of that. I just think of like setting all these systems in your life to... I mean, automate. Why would you want to think about the same things over and over, over again? And over and over. That doesn't sound fun. Yeah. It's like, especially the medial tasks. Yeah. There's a reason I don't do my own taxes. Yeah. Me too. I think I tried that. Many reasons. <laughs> I did it. I tried that once. I did it the very first time. So I was probably 22. So it's been 18 years. 
ever since then. I'm like, I will pay you. Please, dear God, here. Like, yeah. it's bad enough. And I'm detail-oriented, but, like, even I don't like compiling my yeah. information. I'm the same way. Just hand it off. Just take it from me. Just work your magic. Yeah. Tell me where to sign. Mm-hmm. Delegation is powerful. And it's something that I still have challenges with at times. Yeah, I kind of learned it from a coworker. I learned it from that book, The 4-Hour Workweek. That gave me the concept. And I saw a coworker. Mm-hmm. This is funny. And he'll enjoy because he listens to our podcast. He basically... We were working at a big bank. Yep. And all the financial advisors would be working, you know, normal workday, eight, nine hours a day. Mm-hmm. And this guy would be like coming in 10 o'clock, leaving by two. I'm like, it's here four hours, right? Right. And then obviously we see everybody standing on the board and yeah. he's doing fine. You know, he's right around where I'm at, if not higher than where I'm at. Yeah. And so, no, of course, nobody asks him what he's doing. Right. So I, I go up and ask. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, how is this? Wait, we're all sitting here for nine hours. You're how are you doing it in half the time? Yeah. And he literally just spelled it out for me. Like, he would look over my shoulder and it would piss me off because I got pride. And this is why everybody else wouldn't ask him. Right. So prideful. Like, I'm doing things right. Don't tell me what to do. So he would look over my shoulder. And he'd be like, why are you doing that? I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, you're doing you're doing your own trades, like just give that to your assistant. That's what she's there for. Just send an email. Just save yourself a half hour doing these trades. Everything was just a matter of like just del- I'm like, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do uh, that. And he just kept looking over my shoulder and saying, Why are you doing that? Confronting him. Yeah. <laughs> and within, I don't know, like no time, like a month. Within a month, I had his systems in place. Yeah. I was just like him. I was coming in at 10, leaving at two. And everybody around me was like, you know, and they'd give everybody, all the other workers would give you shit about it too. Right. Like, oh, half day, Bob, you know, like that kind of thing. Well, because it's threatening <laughs> like, to them. Yeah. Yeah. And no, but the funny thing was like, you're making fun of me because I'm working less than you. How does that make any sense? I yeah. think uh, I have my time back and you don't. And hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I resisted electronic signatures when it comes to real estate because... I mean, I've been a realtor for 16 years. So back when I started, it was all... We didn't have electronic signatures. And so that technology arrived only within the last few years. And I resisted it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I still want to have a conversation with my clients. I want to make sure that they understand what they're signing, these legal documents. Because I would drive. I would take paper freaking copies of contracts and drive to clients to get their signatures. Finally, I was like, you know what? Let me just see what this is all about. And it was liberating. I'm like, oh... I can still have the same conversation with clients, but they're comfortable in their home and I'm comfortable in mine. Yes. And then I'm getting their signatures. I'm like, this is ridiculously time-saving. Yeah. But I resisted that technology and applying it to an aspect of my work life. And now I'm like, I electronically sign things personally all the time. I'm like, just email it to me. I don't, I haven't printed anything in forever. I'm like, I'm not buying ink anymore. No, no paper. Yeah. There's no need. Like... That's interesting. And it's happening in different industries. So like my former therapist reached out to me the other day. He'd been huh. out of... He had some illness or was sick or something like that. And he'd been out for a while. And yeah. he just sent me an email saying, you know, that I'm back. And just so you know. And we got okay. a back and forth. And he was asking me... He's like, there's been a big back and forth with him and his colleagues about doing Zoom calls for therapy sessions yeah. and meeting in person. And a lot of his colleagues are basically selling their office space and just because they just want to move 
100% to Zoom. Virtual, yeah. And I was telling him that the new therapist I have, I've been doing Zoom calls with. I'm like, I think it's great. Mm -hmm. I'm like, perfect. I could see her. I'm looking her in the eye. And just like we're talking here. This is how we're doing. Yeah. This is how we've always done it. I mean, I'm I'm thinking it's like 90%. I mean, obviously, this is a different connection when you're in person. Maybe a little... It is different. I don't think it's that far off. Um, I think if we were talking on the phone, it'd be more removed. It'd be different. Yeah. So the very first podcast I was a guest on, we recorded almost two years ago and she is in Nevada. Mm -hmm. And so same thing, we use Zoom. And that was my initial podcast experience two years ago. And I was like, this is great. Like, cause it was, we recorded on like a Sunday, but we could see each other. Yeah. But same thing. It was like, there's opportunity within technology to connect with people in, in ways that you otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. You and I, neither one of us had a drive yes. to do this recording. We're both in our own, mm-hmm. but we can see each other and we can see how one another yeah. reacts. And I've had a primary care physician appointment through Zoom. Mm-hmm. I've had therapy appointments through Zoom. Yeah. What else? I mean, all my work stuff is pretty much through any type of conference call, any type of webinar. All this mm-hmm. technology has been around for a while. But for right. whatever reason, people stick to that old traditional, especially with financial advisors, it has to be this face-to-face connection. I just came from an environment that was very unique in the financial advisory realm where I accumulated all my clients by the phone. Like, yeah. Again, they're in 30 different states. I've probably met maybe 5 to 10% of them face-to-face. So 90% mm-hmm. have never met. Mm-hmm. And I've had them for over 10 years. Yeah. And they haven't even, they, maybe they've seen my face on like my LinkedIn profile, but we haven't even done Zoom. It's just been phone. Yeah. But it's so convenient. And they, they were happy with it. They're happy with the service. You know, I think we sometimes stick to these old habits that. Cause that's the way it's always been done. That's the way it's always been done. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to waste all my, like, think how much time you can save in so many different areas of your life just by. Trying and something still, different. Yeah. And I still like, I actually met up with a friend one on one the other day, like last, whatever the hell day it was last week. I don't know. Friday? Yeah. I don't know. We met and walked around outside somewhere, even though everything was shut down. But yeah, not yeah. everything. It's not right. I mean, at I, some point, you don't want to automate your entire life away. It's just you want to automate all the things that you could do that will save you. That you can. That yeah. Was, yeah. Like, because if I had a drive to go somewhere to meet with you, like, it would take up. Yeah. Like imagine how much less conversation you and I can have. Because as it is, yeah. we talk before recording and usually we talk after recording. Right. So we've missed out on all of that brilliant conversation, which I like our podcast episodes, but I like our behind the scenes conversation too. I do too. And I think I think it just adds to when you start thinking of the future like podcast, you're like, all right, I gotta drive to Al's. Right. I'm gonna do I'm gonna talk first, I'm gonna do the podcast, I gotta drive all the way home, and then like right. it becomes a whole nother thing that you're thinking a whole about. Production. Yeah. 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 Even if it's only like a half an hour of driving time, it's still like a lead up to it. Yeah. I think like automation's huge. Automation's huge to prevent some big mistakes. And I mentioned this on the end of the last podcast. So that former therapist that was asking me the questions about Zoom and whether or not to do it in person, or, mm-hmm. he was also the person to tell me that every person is two to three decisions away from ruining their lives. Huh. And I th- it just, when he said that, I was like, how is that possible? Huh. Two to three decisions away from ruining your life. And then we talked about just like being like a drug addict. I mean, mm-hmm. you think of a kid who's at a party yeah. and his friend's like, hey, here's a pill, try it. 
is one decision, right? Right. And then what if he makes that second decision to be like, that felt good. I'm going to try it again. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take long, right? Especially with such certain drugs. Yep. So you think about that and you think about the decision, you know, you have your work meeting and they're like, hey, it's time to sign up for your 401k. And you're like, screw that. I don't want to sign up my 401k. I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with it later. I don't really have enough money right now to do that. Yeah, I'll just wait until I get a raise. And then that's one decision. Yeah. Two or three bad decisions literally can ruin, can ruin your life. I mean, I, I, I don't know. When he said those words, I'm like, it made me very calculated about what I'm deciding, you know, mm-hmm. how, or the thought process. Like, I really kind of started thinking harder of when I make a decision, like, consider it. Like, don't just willy nilly react, just pull the trigger and react. Right. Or not react. You know, maybe like sometimes well, you need not to. Not responding is a choice. Yeah. That's. So I tell you, I had somebody that used to be a connection try to follow me on Instagram recently. And I was like, fuck no. That's a strange thing, huh? They used to be a very close person to me. Yeah. They're not anymore. No, you don't get that level of access to me. <laughs> you have my cell You have my cell phone. Like you're trying to freaking connect with me on Instagram? No. What do, you, what do you think some of the big mistakes... I, I feel like... One of, well, let me start with myself. I feel like the biggest mistake I'm making now is I have way too many forms of communication available just to the general public. Like, not that I'm like some guy that, you know, has a shitload of friends. I have a certain group of friends, but there's so many different. So I have just for instance, I have three voicemails. I have a Mm -hmm. cell phone voicemail and I have two different work voicemails, one at home, one in the office. Mm -hmm. That's three voicemail. I have three Mm -hmm. different email addresses. So I have one for work, one personal, and then one for this podcast. Okay. Now you got Facebook Messenger. People message me on Facebook. I'm like, why would I have to check Facebook Messenger? You have my phone. Text me. But they're going right. to send messages on... T- and so then you got you know text on your phone. You just mentioned Instagram. I don't even check Instagram. I don't know if anybody would be messaging me on that. Well, I deleted Facebook and LinkedIn. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's... And walked away and never looked back from either one of them. All I was getting from LinkedIn was people trying to sell me crap. And I'm like, I own two businesses. I'm, I'm not looking for work. So please. Just. Yeah. And Facebook just got so chaotic. It just felt so chaotic to me. It was yeah. about a year ago that I deleted yeah. it. I'm like, I haven't missed it at all. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Like, who says that you have to be on Facebook? Facebook says yeah. you have to be on Facebook. I mean, think about it, but people have Twitter accounts. What are I mean, there's so many out there. I mean, I've just named off 10 different modes of communication mm-hmm. that from the moment I wake up in the morning, I feel like this need to check these things because I don't want to leave anybody hanging, you know? But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, there's 10 different, you know, I got to check all my voicemails, got to check all my email. I got to check. Who's putting that pressure on you? Well, don't you? I mean, think about just, oh, let's go just from text. <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> oh, obviously I am. Uh-huh. But I feel like in order, like coming back to the preventing the big mistakes and sort of like delegating and automation. Yeah. I got to get rid of like six or eight of these modes of communication. It's mm-hmm. too much. There's too many things to think about. It's just, there's no need. I, right. I want to just give everybody my phone. Here, here's my phone. Text me or call me. There right. you go. I don't need anything else. I don't have to check other voicemails. And Why does it have to be so complicated? My cell phone is my cell phone. And yeah. I mean, my email is my email. It's my... When people push back at me because I have a Gmail address, and I'm like, 
So like it's unprofessional. Like screw you. I, I, I don't care. I think I just <laughs> I need that coworker to be looking over my shoulder again. And be like, why are you doing that? What are you doing? How are you doing that? Stop doing that. I'll be like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm holding on to it so tight. I don't know why. Yeah, and I've had other email addresses in the past, but now I just have my Gmail on and I have my cell phone, and I just use that for both right. businesses. Yeah. And I'm like, just text me. People seem to think that I don't like talking on the phone, but actually I'm on the phone a lot. Yeah. But anyone that works with me professionally learns very quickly that I'm a lot faster at text messaging. Yeah. Like email, I just, I can go even a whole day without checking it. I'm like, if it's that urgent, like freaking text me. Right. And I'll usually get back to you faster through text. It's like you, ha- you have to create these bottlenecks. The boundaries. Yeah, that everything's going to funnel into like one. If you have everything to spread out so that there's, you can contact me in nine different ways. And now it's my responsibility to check those ways. To check them all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And That's I thought just, I was simplifying and I, I'm starting to realize just from talking on this podcast that I'm not. <laughs> That's, that's my big mistake. Like literally, like, cause it's, it's eating away too much of my mental space. It's not taking really right. away from my time. Right. It's, it's not like cy- I'm constantly on it. It's just I'm thinking about it. Well, it's cyber clutter. Cyber clutter. I never heard that term. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of decluttering, like constantly going through my house. Like, hey, what can I get rid of now? <laughs> I got rid of books, though. Like, I look around now and I'm like, I got rid of books too. And I was looking for some of them recently. And yes, I'm like, what? I was too. I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this anyway. preventing big, big mistakes up. Don't do stupid shit. Don't do stupid like, shits. Stop. And just stop and consider. Yeah. Just give yourself some time. Pause. Hit the pause button and take a step back before you make yeah. what is potentially a, a life-altering decision. Agreed. <laughs> so let's plug those books again. So Atomic Habits by James Clear. Highly recommended. Uh-huh. What was it? The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Yep. It didn't really... I, again, I don't even really remember it. I know I listened to it. but It's an easy read. Okay. I tried to get my husband to read it and he wouldn't... <laughs> Well, compounding is a great thing to learn about because people don't get it. Right. It's that snowball effect. Yeah. It's a simple read. I recommend the book more than I recommend listening to his videos. Yeah. But the book it was good content. Like your writing, we don't like you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Darren Hardy. That, that arrogant. I just I don't do well with that temperament, that personality temperament. And We're I just similar that clash. way. I'm with you. I just you turn like, off, nope. right? It's like your wall yep. goes... I shut down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not listening to you. I do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next week for episode number 27, we got Dropping the Rope. I like that one a lot. So Dropping the Rope was something I got from... I think it's more of a, like a Buddhist type philosophy. It's the idea that the st- a lot of the stuff that you're battling with in your head, you could literally just surrender to or just let release. Let it go. Just let it go. And the idea of like a tug of war, like uh-huh. just let go of the rope. All that tension you're holding on to in certain things in your life, a lot of times you could literally just walk away. Well, it's like the story of the two wolves. Yes. Which one you feed. Which one wins, the one you feed. Yes. It's a change of perception. Yeah. It's just literally, it's maneuvering, just kind of pivoting. Shift in perspective. Yes. Just shift in the story. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I think about that a lot, like just dropping it. It's not easy to do all the time. But again, if you're, at least if you know that's an option. Yeah. You know, you can see if it's worth it in your life. You know, is it, is the price that you're paying, as you would say, (laughs) too high? And if it is, then drop the damn rope. Let it the fuck go. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
So that's next week. Dropping the rope. That'll be a fun conversation. Yeah. No shortage of uh, topics here. No. But again, I do highly recommend that you leave us your ideas and we'll sort through them. We'll read them. And maybe we'll uh, even have one on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, so please review, like, subscribe. It's faconfessions.com. Share. Share. <laughs> yeah, just share. And it's available on all podcast platforms. I use CastBox personally, but iTunes, Spotify. All right, Diane. All right, Al. Well, I'll see you next week with Dropping the Rope. See you next week.